welcome to this special Christmas episode of Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 25 of Toradora. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So I guess this is uh, the culmination of everything. And I guess it seems like the jig is kind of up in that Ryuji's mom sort of knows what's going on. Or at least she suspects what's going on. Probably in no small part due to the fact that she sort of gave Ryuji the address. You know, I find it interesting that she's willing to go to such lengths considering... You know, she hadn't really interacted with her parents, to my knowledge, for, you know, nigh on two decades. Now, considering their previous conversation up until this point, they're on surprisingly good terms. She and her parents are on pretty good terms, too, considering, you know, if I were in either of their positions, I doubt the first thing any one of us would say would be, you've done a good job raising your son. And likewise, that wouldn't be what I'd expect to hear, either. But nonetheless, you know, it is true. Alright, so it's, it was a bit of, um, subterfuge, I guess. That's an interesting turn of events, how Taiga sort of basically got this family back together. I guess even more interesting, it's almost as if... Nothing had changed based on the dynamics. It's very remarkable in a kind of heartwarming way. Especially considering we were always led to believe that they had sort of parted acrimoniously. You know, essentially Ryuji's mom had just up and left and, you know, stole her father's watch and disappeared. Wow. This got really heavy all of a sudden. I mean, I say all of a sudden, it's pretty heavy before that. But I guess good on Ryuji's mom for having the moral fiber to, despite everything seeming horrible, continuing, all continuing on without giving up. I mean, I recognize I'm talking about animated characters here, but that's something I don't think a lot of real people would have the strength to do. (laughs) 
You know, this is a really nice change of pace. Although, it's kind of been a long time coming, because the first we really saw of Ryuji's mom was that she was essentially entirely irresponsible, but... I mean, I guess she was in some sense, but... In all the ways that mattered, she was entirely responsible. Oh. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions... Ryuji opened his big mouth and said, you know, this is my wife, so now you have to sleep together. Enjoy sharing a bed. You know, I'd imagine that's a pretty big... hurdle, for want of a better term, for somebody who has nominally been a couple for charitably less than 24 hours. You know what? Ryuji's talking some real sense here. Just because eloping didn't work out doesn't mean that you still can't get married properly. You know, just because things didn't work out in the way you intended doesn't mean it is the end. You know, it's also a beginning. Ryuji's talking a lot of sense here, you know. A wedding would only be better with friends and family involved. I think there's a very nice innocence here in this whole scene, because neither of them really know what exactly it is they're doing. You know, they know what they want to do, but I guess the formality of it is still a bit lost on them. I also think that I don't know, the way they're talking, the things Tag is noticing, this it lends a realism that I don't think you really see in other romance. And, you know, in my experience, this is much closer to how things work than what you would find in some more idealistic romance. You know, I like how the staff behind this sort of 
I guess, resisted the urge to have the music swell and all that when they first kissed, and they just sort of continued with the subdued piano music. I think it really lends a sense of realism in that, you know, life doesn't have a score. Man, when you think about it, it really is miraculous that everything had sort of turned out the way it had. In one fell swoop, Yuji's essentially managed to net himself a wife and repair his family. I mean, I guess that now they're an item, and now they've made... I guess made their intentions known to marry, you know... There's uh, really not much they can do to avoid each other at this point, you know. In fact, I wouldn't even find it outlandish if Tiger just moved in with them or vice versa. So it seems to me that it's a bit of a mistake here that Ryuji isn't going with Taiga to confront her mom. You know, they've already dealt with one side of the family, you might as well deal with the other side as a unit. Especially if that's how you mean to continue your life. Man, Tiger's mom really is a harridan. I mean, I guess it's nice that Tiger is able to react with laughter rather than crying. Definitely preferable, but in terms of family, Tiger really got the short end of the stick here. So I guess it's a good thing that her potential in-laws are... Uh, already so amicable to her. So it seems like Taiga has finally learned something. So essentially, Ryuji was the catalyst here for her essentially learning a big lesson about herself. Although, 
She has learned the lesson. It doesn't seem that she's fully incorporated it. So there's the bombshell. Whether it was something Taiga had done of her own free will or whether she was strong-armed into it, she's going to live with her mom. Presumably, because of what she learned from Ryuji, she's decided to face her problems head-on and reconcile with her family. It's unfortunate that she didn't really explain things. You know, that's a bit of a chronic issue here in that people don't adequately explain things and in doing so they cause problems, but I guess that's kind of how real life works too. You know, rarely, if ever, do people adequately explain things so as to not cause misunderstandings. You know, it seems to me that more than anything else, this is a real disservice to Ryuji. You know, it seems like maybe slapping him wasn't really the appropriate reaction. So I'd imagine he, if anyone, feels the worst about anything. You know, I really admire the faith Ryuji has in Taiga, but I gotta say, it's a real kick to the teeth that she didn't even show up for, you know, the favorite meal he was cooking. She did leave a note, which I guess is better than nothing, but, you know, a note is woefully inadequate, I would think, in this situation. Well, I guess old habits die hard, you know. Yuji has rubbed off on her somewhat, no pun intended, but, you know, it seems like she's not entirely neat as she might otherwise have been. I do find it telling that right next to that picture of Kitamura is a picture of Yuji, and I guess that's sort of indicative of how she's grown to feel about him. Well, I guess Tag is sort of rubbed off on Ryuji as well, in that he's not as, um, or rather, he's more klutzy than he was before. So it's interesting that Taiga chose to send that to everyone, just that picture of that lone star. You know, I don't quite grasp the symbolism. Maybe it's that, you know, 
far away though she is, she's still there, but I don't know. Might be a bit of a stretch. You know, it was nice of Taiga that she responded to everyone who reached out. Well, I guess I was sort of right in my interpretation, but I think I like Meenery's interpretation more, that even through the infinite void of space, stars still burn brightly, regardless of whether or not we can see them. Ugh. Man, you can never have nice things. Ami just has to stir the pot. Ugh, that slap was misplaced. She shouldn't have slapped Yuji, she should have slapped Ami. Of course, now that I say that, she has the good idea of everyone mass replying to Taiga. Oh, I think I know where this is going. You know, they have to send her something suitable in response. You know, if she's sending a celestial body, nothing nothing less than that will do. And if they're doing what I think they're doing, there's only one star that will do. You know, I think I'm going to walk back what I said about Ami. Like, the point still stands somewhat, but at least she's finally being sincere and laying everything out in the open. Would have been nice if she had done that a little bit earlier, but... I guess that's life, you know? People don't always work on your timetable. Ah, uh, how utterly typical of everyone. Kitamura can't help himself but to take off his shirt. I feel bad for Ryuji. Like, I... I don't know. I don't smile well. 
I do, but, like, it doesn't look like a smile, or so people have told me. I can definitely sympathize with him. Well, it's an interesting bit of closure in that that poor, unfortunate bird finally managed to say its own name. So I guess we're finally getting a little bit of resolution for everyone. Kitamura is going to study in America. It's sort of weird how, I guess, the events of the cultural festival had passed into legend, almost. Got a real bad feeling about this, how they're talking about Taiga as though she's a legend. And Ryuji gets a little fleeting glimpse of her. Surely it couldn't have just been a mirage, right? Oh. It's a little callback to the first episode, hiding out in the cupboard. I guess it's nice how he finally managed to say it, but some things never change, it seems. Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. Merry Christmas, Space Cowboy.